Hey, Tucker. Hey, Todd. This part's going to be pre-recorded, so act professional, okay? I'll do my best. This is the Tucker and Toddcast, a podcast in which we write adventure stories for our YouTube sketch show. I'm Tucker. And I'm Todd. Okay, now we can get on to the show. Hooray! <sighs> Confetti. I think we, we begin in... Are we calling her J.K. Rowling? Uh, probably not. But we haven't really come up with any fake names for anybody. We've just been calling them by their names. With the exception, Precisely. of course, of Basil Bub and Elrond. We even call yeah, Jeff think... Bridges by his name. Yeah, because I guess I've always been operating under the... I wanted to say auspices, but I think that's not the way to use it. Under the assumption that... Oh, I lost my train of thought. I need, I need to that close will, YouTube. That will come up with fake names for them when it's actually time for them to be in a production. Yeah, essentially. Uh, I guess for this one, I guess we can keep doing that with this one. Although Rowling is now popping into my head as like a row is like an argument. We just call her the fightling or something. I was going to call her prowling. Ooh, that's fun. But then, then she needs to be skulking all the time. And we call her BS prowling. Ooh, I'd be okay with that. And she looks to the cameras the side when she's introduced. She goes, original, right? I know. And then somebody just comes out of nowhere with a big old stamp and pops it on her head. It's a turf word. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it turf? They just stamp her turf. That's I like that. Uh, So, yeah, any any other clever names that come to your mind? Don't keep them to yourself. Yeah, of course, it will be pondered upon. But I think this new episode starts where we left off. Um, she has just shown her face to our crew. Yes. Uh, prowling has just been revealed to the crew. She, uh, uh if I, that. if I recall, she, she did that line. Why is it every time something happens? It's you three or whatever it was. All right. I'm slowly losing my grasp of the pop culture references from those books. Oh, I mean that, that is kind of one of the, I wasn't even thinking, I forgot that that was a reference, but it is. It is. Um, so would they, did we have them give a reaction or it was just that line and then it faded to black? It was just that line. And then we moved on, uh, to Annabelle eating the, uh, stroke waffle. Right. Okay. So do we, we join in immediately after that moment and the crew is, is like confused along the lines of like, what? We've never seen you before. Or do they know who she is? She'll probably be the only one who doesn't seem familiar because she wasn't uh, on the team with the other pseudo intellectuals that the crew worked with previously. So she doesn't seem familiar. Is she technically an established famous author who is has been under scrutiny for uh, showing her turf colors, though, in the real world? Uh, she, uh, She might be, but she might not be recognized as such because she's in the outside and she's still under a cowl. Right. I had actually let me see the way that I'd written it down, because I think I put good words to it the way that I phrased it before. Lay it on me. Uh, When I first proposed the premise, I said, lean into an author who uses a popular series of novels to deliberately convert children into codependent neoliberal institutionalists and exact revenge on childhood bullies. So that that's mostly her shtick. Doesn't have to be. That's her entire thing. That's her. If you needed to reduce Rowling to like a single sentence, that's her. Okay, so that's what she's been up to, and that's kind of what she's known for. So would it be would it be a confusion moment of what we've never seen in our lives, or is it like <gasps> BS Prowling, the nefarious turf? 
one person gets I'm, to I recognize her. Is it Scott Ackerman? Because I stole Nefarious her from Scott Ackerman. Anytime anybody says JK on his show, he says the nefarious turf. Does he just like peek his head in from the side of the frame and is never seen again after saying that? I mean, that would make me laugh. It would make me laugh. Don't you recognize BS prowling the nefarious turf? And then he just disappears. We turn back. So anyways, the camera follows in the direction he went and he's just not there anymore. Everybody kind of of looks around in a bit of confusion and they're like, okay, okay. And then that would, I guess, would that give JK a chance to jump into her monologue? It would. Since she's been introduced, she might as well start talking. Especially since, if I recall, we've all been brought before her for some conflict resolution. Yeah, Straight Woman had read Steve Bannon's headline about... Uh, birth control control. making women crazy yeah (laughs) what an asshole and so the the gestapo gathered around and carried her into the the throne room or whatever and then that's where we are to where we are now so i guess rowling would be sort of kremlin-y is she doing a bit of a like i've here you have some opinions Ooh, yeah that's the the news has already reached her yeah Sure, some little goblin has already informed her of the situation. Naturally, she has her own worm tongue. Hmm, who would? I can't even think of who her worm tongue would be if it's. Oh, from obviously, the book. it would be Dobby the house elf. <laughs> That's the- Dobby the house elf. He has no. I mean, technically, he's dead, but in this world, he has no scruples, and he flip flops to whatever side will take him. Either that, or it's with the that one. What was his name? Creature, the one who just like looks evil. And grumpy and not nice. That I mean, that would work too, because I think he was supposed to be racist. So they, they deserve each other. I mean, just look at that guy. He is definitely. Yeah, he looks like a he's, shit. He is definitely Prowling's little goblin. I like that a lot, yeah. And since his name is Creature, we can just call him Goblin, because whatever. <laughs> yeah. We're going to use that exactly as much effort as Prowling did in the naming conventions. Oh, I think we should uh, do a little bit of that. A lot of the characters that we run into, all of her little manservants are like goofy, like direct Latin names or whatever, Um, like the spells or just like, yes, I'm describing this is diagonally. So long as we don't get into her racial naming conventions, which are incredibly basic and overtly white lady. Um, is, is, is she going to essentially last this one episode? Is she going to be ousted by the end or like run out of town? Cause we're using this a little bit to dwell more on the village of the pseudo intellectuals. We're roping her in with them as their queen. Well, if you recall, she's eventually going to get co-opted by Abaddon. So if she gets run out of town, that's not the end of her. Yeah, I guess what would she be co-opted by Abaddon because she made it back to the real world? Have they been seeking her? They probably don't even know she exists yet. Well, I mean, of course she does. Of course they know she's a famous author. Uh, they actually, you know what? You're probably right. They probably are seeking her. So, okay, I'm just trying to figure out the order of things because we also have to touch in with the world leaders and that's going to involve the ambassador from Abaddon. Abaddon or Phantasology? Yeah, he was Abaddon. Abaddon. Abaddon now. Phantasology, uh, Elrond at least, has been absorbed into Abaddon. Right, that's right. Uh, Jeff Bridges is currently running what remains of Phantasology independently. 
they right. uh, somebody will yeah they were making a deal with the nfts and uh since then everybody's kind of fled to lick their wounds so i guess if abaddon is seeking rowling but she's in the outside well yeah they're they're just keeping their eyes out they don't they don't they don't have squads out looking for her right now or anything they're they, they got, do got they a dragnet yeah the 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 world is currently on fire. There's nothing she can do about that. So she's not like a high priority. If she happens upon them, they'll snatch her up. Right. Okay. So I guess eventually, whether it's in this episode or down the road, she'll have to, we'll have to figure out how to kick her out of the outside at some point. Yes. Eventually, every, eventually every active character in the outside is going to make it back to reality. Maybe not all at the same time, but eventually. And that is uh, actually a pretty good way to introduce the blue pills. No doubt Abaddon created those. They got into pharmaceuticals. I mean, they were going to have to eventually. Oh, yeah. The probability approaches one. So I guess it would be good. Maybe hmm. I'm just trying to figure out what to do with this. How do we what do we do with this situation? She's front to front. Are they going to have... Is she going to, oh, is, is it going to turn into they want to take the crew to some sort of like witch trial or something? Either the crew goes on trial or they just get exiled immediately. But I think it would be funnier if they had like a kangaroo court shit, terrible trial. That would be fun, too. We never have to call it kangaroo court. But she says we're um, taking you to court and all of the officials are kangaroos in, in robes and whatnot. Robes. And oh, robes. yeah. Oh, yeah. They're uh, they're they're kangaroos. But they're kind of anthropomorphized in the same way as Miranda. Okay, I wasn't sure if they're. I, I was going to say they don't talk at all, and that's what part of what makes it a kangaroo court. Maybe they rabble, 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 rabble. Then somebody bangs on the gavel. Order, rabble, rabble, rabble in this kangaroo court. I'm just googling what sound does a kangaroo make. They make a dull thud as you get kicked in the face. Well, the the video that I'm listening to sounds of kangaroos sounds like when Forrest Gump's mom was getting screwed by the principal. I must have repressed that one. Oh, that's very early in. He, she tries to take him to school and they don't want him at the school because he's too dumb. And she says, no, I want him in the normal classes. And, and the principal says, hmm, have you got a husband? And then the next scene is them. Ah, ah, ah. OK, so that's, that's kangaroo our kangaroo sound. sound. thank you so much for that description you're welcome i like everybody to be on the same page so they go to kangaroo court they get dragged off to kangaroo court does kangaroo court does kangaroo court end up in like a uh what do they call it a negative verdict like do they get found guilty oh which of course they do they're they're guilty until proven innocent in this place Ah, is this how we're going to set this up? Are they going to be thrown in prison or whatever, and then our doubles come and save them? Oh, I like that. Especially if our our doubles wind up somehow becoming part of the gnome cop force. The gnome cops are still after them, but if they're good enough to bamboozle some gnome cops, they can show up with some backup. The doubles show up with backup? Yes. Oh, they come to to rescue us with the gnome force, you're saying? Yes, uh, it's my assumption that if these guys are clever and competent in every way that we are not, and they're being actively pursued by the gnome cops, who are the opposite of clever and competent in every way, then it stands to reason that not only should they bamboozle them, but they should be able to shanghai them to their service. 
So as the crew, when the crew, the verdict is found, the crew gets thrown into prison. Do we transition to a view of the crew being thrown into prison through binoculars? And then it pans out and we see that it's our doubles watching from a hill. Have they been stalking them or is it more of a happen upon them kind of thing? I think the gnomes were able to give them some intel because the gnomes, even though they're really slow and inefficient, they still do have an expansive information network. So they're oh, so th they're aware of where the crew is and that there is a village of weirdos over there. So the are the the doubles are already in the police force because of whatever trickery and chicanery they've gotten up to. Well, maybe we should get into that a little bit. Like Just, how they would be conscripted? Yeah, like uh, they wouldn't be conscripted. They'd have to take over. They probably got found and arrested by the gnome cops, but they probably allowed themselves to be taken in and then kind of coerced everybody from the inside. They worked their way from a jail cell all the way to the to to the boss's office. They're now the wardens and they're in charge. I can't remember. The, what's the guy's name in Shawshank Redemption? Oh, that I don't remember the specific. But name. he's that guy. Everybody loves him. The the doubles. Tim Robbins. Oh, I was just saying Tim Robbins is that guy. Yeah. Tim Robbins is the doubles. Yeah. So there Andy we Dufresne. Can, we can cut in like a. Oh, he was my friend. <laughs> so we can we can cut together a little montage of the doubles on their way out of the back back of the factory to get caught by the gnomes, willingly surrender themselves, wind up in a jail cell that's mostly fitted for gnome-sized people, and then, you know, whisper into a few ears, wind up eventually talking their way out of a jail cell, and just basically cunning and conniving their way all the way into being in charge of this force, which which they are now redirecting to their own ends trying to figure out narratively because that's really hopping around. Well, I guess, yeah, timeline doesn't matter. We're in the outside. Fortunately, we didn't really clearly set when which event is happening, but the uh, the crew could be kept in a little jail cell until their court sentence or until their court hearing for however long it takes to make everything line up. Oh, that's interesting. The, the, what I was going to propose was uh, Tucker and Todd, the doubles, uh, wearing police uniforms or whatever, stroll into the, the pseudo-intellectual jail and tell the crew, we're going to bust you out of here. And they're like, what the heck? How did you guys find us? And then like a little, they go, well, um, and then a, a, a thought cloud, a shared thought cloud appears above their heads, which summarizes all of the events that you just described. And then they decide, ah, we better just tell them the lie that we were going to tell anyways, whatever the lie was. We got lucky and found you. Something simple. But I, I also really like that uh, the moment where they're on top of a hill a distance back looking at them through binoculars. That's that's a very good transitional stage where you where you see the crew in their little jail cells and then it zooms back a little bit and then you're suddenly got binocular vision and the binoculars come down and it's the doubles talking to each other. There they are. The gnomes were right. That is interesting, because I'm also enjoying the idea that the only way that news actually makes its way around the gnome community efficiently is water cooler talk. It's, yeah, it's gossip and then whatever comes through on the string. <laughs> From last year. <laughs> yeah, it, tra it takes a couple of weeks to get where it's going, but nobody cares in the outside. As a as a book ending joke in the very last episode, episode, the show, the episode, 
Uh, we should have a scene at like the 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 gnome dispatch center where the very first message that we heard them try to send out comes in. Oh yeah, I'd like that. <laughs> I just spotted these two weirdos heading down the highway. Somebody has to send back the what weirdos? Where? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Sorry, what was that? Please expand. And then several weeks later, it'll take like the better part of an entire generation before Tucker and Todd's impact in the outside fully reaches every part of it. Oh, but then they'll they'll be a legend. Oh yeah, it'll be like a game of telephone. They'll be they'll be incredible legends. So the double. So does are, does this oh. episode actually does this episode actually start on the doubles leaving the factory? Then maybe it should. And then it, it does, does all that catch up, and then we land back now in the present in the village. That actually that makes more sense. Yes, actually, it uh, it makes more sense to start with the doubles leaving the factory and their whole little adventure, and then they wind up on that hill and then they look at the crew through the binoculars and that's actually an opportunity to transition to the crew who are in jail cells and they actually have to be like remind me again how we ended up like this and then that's where somebody <laughs> tells the story about how they had the little encounter with bs prowling maybe that'll be when Gigi comes online and she hasn't been paying attention so somebody actually has to spoon feed her the story it could be a spoon feed that the spoon feed the story. So there's a voiceover. Maybe there's a voiceover. Uh, maybe, no, we just we we reenact the events, and then there's a like a puff of smoke, and all the people who are listening to the events be reenacted. Go, whoa, that was weird, or like what just happened? Oh, they're they're actually being puppeted by the storytelling. Yeah, or they were they were they were all beamed into a memory or whatever. And then as soon as Every, the everybody tale... experienced it. And as the story is finished being told, they're all in the positions they were in at the end of the store. And they're like, what the? Yeah. Very, very outsidey. Very outsidey. Okay, that's perfect. And then right at that moment, that's when the doubles like stroll into the jailhouse. Oh, yeah. That's when a couple of gnome sized flashbangs get rolled in. Oh, it's the actual extraction mission. Oh, look, the gnome cops are now actually being run by clever and competent people, right? So actual tactics are going to be used. That's fine. Okay, so they do a whole like, uh, like a like a uh, I'm saying a drug raid, but like a smash and grab or whatever. Yeah, this this little party is getting swatted. Yeah, swatting. One of one of one of the pseudo intellectuals is streaming over in the corner and he like the, the stream gets shut down by cops running in. Oh yeah, he probably dies. This is, is, <laughs> this is this is where we get to condemn the pro the the whole act of swatting someone. Oh, does the, he dies and everybody immediately like feels very bad about it? It has to turn into a serious moment. Oh yeah, probably that uh, the gnome cop that winds up doing it probably has to hand in his gun and badge. And then they realize the guy who was streaming was black, and they they say just sprinkle a little crack on him. Dark. That's a Dave Chappelle bit. Yeah, yeah, it is. But he can get away with it because he's not a dumb white idiot. True. Okay, so the swatting, <laughs> the swatting yes, ends a, poorly. A, there, well, it ends poorly for that one streaming pseudo intellectual. For the crew, it ends pretty well because they're safely extracted. They barely get batoned at all. That that's a commentary on police brutality: is that even the people being rescued get batoned at least a little bit, or, or shoved with bikes. Yeah, yeah smacked in the across the head with a riot shield what are you doing we're rescuing you bonk 
<laughs> that is kind of funny. If it's the gnomes who are like grabbing and smacking the, the crew and they're like, what are you doing? We're here to rescue the prisoners. We are the prisoners. We know. Get moving. Bonk. <laughs> they're still smacking them. <laughs> Move along. Yes, the people in charge must have little in the way of compassion, namely our doubles. So are the doubles part of the raid or did they just orchestrate it and the gnomes carry it out? Oh, they're still on the hill, maybe with like walkie talkies. They're directing the whole thing from a from a, afar. Oh, that would be good if the crew hears our voices on the to- walkie talkies and they perk up. They're like, is that Tucker and Todd? And then and then, of course, we have to tell them to bring them to the extraction point. And so they wind up being dragged out of there by our gnome cops who are ungentle all the way because they're they're cops. And then I guess do we is this far enough in where we could switch back to the real world now? Oh, yeah. As they're as they're being dragged towards the, the extraction point, that's an opportunity for like a a couple of like new smoke bombs or something to start going off. And then the smoke fills the screen and then it goes dark and then we transition on to the next piece. Is this, are we going to join world lead? Oh, do we join world leaders or yes. do we join somebody more no. recognizable? World leaders. It's time for, see, uh, the smoke cloud. That's our transition. We we then start to zoom out because we were inside of the smoke cloud from Winston Churchill's cigar. Oh, oh, perfect. I Yes, I am. I'm on the ball now. That's fantastic. Uh, I had to remember Nesquik Warm Bread is our 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 try hard tyrant is so it's all the the ones that, it's all the people we introduced in that episode. Yeah, pretty much the at least the really important ones. Are they speaking together at another council, or are they in like like their locker room talk? They're in a uh, a sauna or whatever. Oh, they're having a, a Schwitz. A Schwitz, yeah. They've all got just the towel around the waist, and, and of course that's. Perfect for Putin because he loves being shirtless. So he's in a towel riding on top of a bear that's riding a motorcycle. We overcompensating. Is is there some sort of goofy joke? Like as he steps into the sauna, he takes off the chain around his neck, but that's all. Or like swaps it into it. This is my sauna chain. (laughs) Of course, he's got a sauna chain. And this is my sauna towel. (laughs) <laughs> so he just had like a regular hanging out towel. Yeah, I was trying to figure out like he takes off his like invisible shirt and then puts on another invisible shirt. I was trying to make that work. But if it's like this, these are my sauna um, implements, whatever. This is my sauna apparel. Sauna apparel. He's got to pronounce it. And I guess he dismounts from his his bear dismounts from the motorcycle and then he dismounts from the bear and then the bear puts on a towel. <laughs> sits down next to him in the sauna yeah the bear the bear stays does the bear the bear lights up a cigar next to churchill they kind of eye each other oh i like that especially if the bear gets a sauna chain <laughs> the bear's in the whole like slavic tracksuit <laughs> in the oh yeah he's in the slavic tracksuit on the motorcycle for sure and then he gets to, he gets changed into a towel <laughs> the bear can't come in here. The bear stays. That's hilarious. I like and does so the bear pulls off its tracksuit and the whole crowd gasps, <gasps> reels back in disgust, and he kind of like looks up and he's like, calm down. He puts on his towel. Yeah. Throw up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
we're all men here. And they're like, uh, except you. Is there, is there, wait, is there, are there any female world leaders who were in there just cringing? I can't remember if we, we had a count, we had a, we had a council of Karens. Oh, that's true. Yeah. They're probably somewhere else just like they were before because they're, they're basically the shadow government that runs the world for real. Yeah, true. But Margaret Thatcher and the queen are there. Oh, Angela Merkel is there. And they're all alongside Winston Churchill. (laughs) we don't respect the timeline of earth i don't mean to sound insensitive but are there any other noteworthy female world leaders i'm sure that there are but i'm too ignorant i know they exist but i just don't know their names the only one i have is angela merkel that means you're ignorant too yeah merkel's not in charge anymore either (laughs) i mean that's a pretty good counterpoint so is Thatcher. Yeah, I'm weeding them out. I'll, unless it's funny to have them there. I think it's funny just to do a caricature face with that, like a character, the character, a, th- a caricature. A caricature. Yes. A Thatcher. Win- Winston, Winston Churchill is already kind of a caricature. I agree. He is a similar creature to whatever Steve Bannon is now. Winston Churchill is kind of an English bulldog, cigar chewing looking little fella. But they, they're the order of. Bi- <laughs> That was the last thing I expected to see. <laughs> yeah, throw a bowler hat on him, though. <laughs> and give him a cigar hanging out of that droopy mouth. <laughs> That's pretty great. Then you, got while you <laughs> then you got Churchill. That's fantastic. Okay, well, that's how I'm going to be drawing Churchill when it comes down to it. He's just a bulldog. Awesome. Then, uh, But... But, but the order of business, the reason they're all there, they're discussing the fate of the world. Apparently off the record. Is it off the record because they're discussing uh, what's it called? Extenuating circumstances or whatever. Extreme. It's, it's off the record because they're not in a they're not discussing in any official capacity. Locker room talk is always off the record. Oh, yeah, that's true. So is it genuine locker room talk? Or are they just are they just gossiping? I think that means it's a perfect opportunity for Putin to roll up a towel and and whip Trudeau on the ass with it. Oh, does he do a little bit of a go on, hit me again. And and, and he doesn't and he's like, please. Yeah, that that that's going to draw a unanimous groan from everybody in the room. An eye roll and a yuck. Ugh. Ugh. Then Trudeau, so... Trudeau pouts. And then Putin goes and sits with all the real tyrants and the bear. Oh, is Trudeau still being discluded? Oh, is everybody just wants to gossip and Trudeau is the one that that's his like, here's how I'm going to show the world. I'm going to launch the nukes. I declare war on the outside. There, that took a couple tries. RTC crashed. Uh, I suppose that would be Trudeau's kind of knee jerk reaction. But at the same time, is the sauna locker room talk the, the place to make a formal declaration of war? Or, well, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if they're all mucking around just in their sauna. Does it transition to another place from there? Or like, if, is there one person who is like, I, we should we what are we doing? Just sitting around chatting like there's serious shit going on. We should do something. Somebody probably should say that. And if anybody's going to do it, it'll be JFK, who is very suspiciously sharing a towel with Nixon. Right. But I suppose it's possible that even though you can't make a formal declaration of war in an informal situation, you can 
make uh you can declare an intention to declare war yeah you can make a case for why you should be and it could be that trudeau decides after you know getting laughed at a little bit that he's like that's it i'm gonna be the first nation to declare war on the outside and that's when jfk can pipe up and uh mention how if we're gonna have that kind of talk it's gonna have to be around the table so then they pull a table into the sauna oh i was, I was gonna first i was gonna say a table like descends from the ceiling or is they they pull they drag a card table in and it's all squeaking on the floor I really like the squeaking idea because then we can kind of draw it out longer than is welcome again. <laughs> it's basically that uh, Chekhov's alley. Oh, it can be drawn out. And also there can be like obstacles. There, there's a uh, an extension cord all the way across the floor that has. Oh, just I got it. Sorry. Let me guys one moment. Yeah. Uh, who's who's pulling it? I want to it'll how funny it is will depend on how kind of bashful and mousy whoever's pulling it is. Well, I mean, because because uh, Trudeau is the put upon, I imagine he would be the one that would be sent out like, go grab it, runt. Ah, so Trudeau then chimes in his agreement with JFK's insistence that they need a table. And so JFK looks at him, yeah. you know, he gives him the look. Well, then what are you waiting for? Go get the table. <laughs> and Trudeau's like, oh, OK, and then has to jump out of the room and go get it. Those guys, they don't respect me. I'll show them one day. I'm coming. And then he returns, squeaking the table along. It gets caught up on the extension cord. Nobody questions what it's doing in a sauna. Safety regulations don't exist yet. So now that the table is there, do they have a an actual measured conversation about why they would declare war? Now that it's there, they all just yell war. Uh, both. I think they should start with a measured, restrained discussion about not only what the outside is and what it means to be at war with it, but the long-term consequences of a worldwide conflict against something that maybe can't be fought. And then basically everybody from the East will chime in, war! I think Putin will start that little call. Oh, they start chanting, war, 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 war. Never mind that it was Trudeau's idea. Putin latches onto it and as if it's his. Everybody else gets caught up in the moment. And then it's only a matter of another minute before there are no dissenting voices at all. And everybody just unanimously declares war on the outside. And then hidden in one corner of the room is a, in the room is, a you know, the big red button. Oh, in the corner of which room of the sauna? Yeah, everything they need to initiate this world war is in the sauna, apparently. That's what that's what the, constru the construction that's what the extension cord was for. It was plugged into the war. Oh, bell. it's not plugged in anymore, so it doesn't work when they hit the button. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, he's got to get up and go plug it back in. It turns into uh, the Christmas lights problem. Oh, yeah. From uh, Christmas vacation. Yeah, that was good. Knocked out the power to like half the city. So does that scene end then they finally they finally do get everything plugged in. They're able to smash the button. It ends with the button smash and then we cut to Abaddon. I think if we hit the button smash, we need to do a really quick montage of a whole bunch of forces suddenly getting slammed onto like full ready, full readiness, like uh, missile silos open their doors, submarines. Uh, I don't know. I guess they do whatever submarines do. Warships start leaving port. Submerge. 
Yeah, I guess they just kind of float around. But every everything starts arming. Is that sort of like cross faded, uh, like double image of uh, like news reports of the war being declared? Oh, yeah, I like that. Because then then we can have CNN and Anderson Cooper on one side and then and then the all these armed forces preparing their stuff on the other. Are we doing a little meta commentary on journalism and like literally it's like Anderson Cooper on one side and he's like, there's a war and it's bad. And then it's like Fox or whatever. And they're like, there's a war and we're very happy. <laughs> yeah, I would. I think that would probably be a pretty good divide. Fuck the, yeah, war. The, the duality of man. There you got Anderson Cooper. He's he's war has been declared. This is a dark day. And then there's Tucker Carlson. And he's like, woo, throws up his papers. <laughs> They've got Casey and the Sunshine Band playing. Hey, we've got an ad, everybody. And also, we finally have straight woman in studio. Give her a hand. And then I insert. I insert clap, clap, clap. Hello. Too much enthusiasm for straight women. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, you don't uh, have that, to. You don't have to play energy. the character. That's good Hi. energy. Yeah, Hi. we're we're not exactly playing characters either. This Unless is the writers' are. room. This is the writers' room. Yeah, in the writer's room, you don't play a character. You just imagine what the character would say. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. So we have an ad today, and I figured for our very first ad, well, let me. I'm, I'm wrapping words around. We're going to write our first ad today, and I figured for our first ad write, I'd bring Straight Woman in to help us. And our first product is the Blue Pill. Have you heard of this thing? No. Why don't you tell me about this Blue Pill? What's it do? Do tell. Well, if I recall correctly, Morpheus stands there and holds out the pills. Oh, here was something. Here's a thought experiment that somebody posed the other day that kind of was interesting. Why would you even take the blue pill? Why wouldn't you just walk away if you were? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. The blue pill is is supposed to uh, the blue pill is to stay in the Matrix pill, right? Yeah, you stay in the matrix and oh, but I guess it's because you forgot the conversation. Yeah, I get it'll it'll wipe your memory of the conversation, but it'll have ninety five to ninety nine percent the same effect as just walking back out the door and saying nah. And wasn't the whole point him half like having to pick one or the other? I don't know. The problem is choice, were... just like that white bald man said. I guess he wasn't bald; he just had really white hair. Hmm. Who is the white bald man? The architect? the architect. The problem is choice. He had an entire monologue about it. That movie really loved its exposition dumps. Well, they had to, they had to get their philosophy out. They had to get their trans allegory out. So uh, what does this blue pill do? I guess it just keeps you in the same reality you're in. Oh, I guess it that's pretty handy same- right now that, you know, reality is breaking down. Oh, so does it does it determine the reality that you're experiencing in the moment you take it and then it just maintains that from then on? Wouldn't it reset to the reality you take it out when you take the next pill? Or is it like programmed? Maybe it just it's a dimensional anchor, but you have to take it consistently. It's not like with Morpheus where you just have to take it once. Popping blue pills every day. Exactly. Uh, if you don't take your blue pills, you're in danger of just falling into the matrix. So is it prescribed to people who are experiencing like temporal disruptions? If you start seeing green streams of text 
going up and down in your eyes, it's time to take a blue pill. It's not where I thought you were going with green streams. Green streams? Where would we go with green streams? I, I don't want to talk about it. When we talk about streams, that's not where we go. <laughs> are you are you saying, uh, well, the only stream that I know that would be gross would be a yellow stream. Well, you were talking... saying you took a blue pill, it makes it a green stream? Yeah, because you were talking about the blue pill, and about penis sizes, so that's where penis my mind sizes. went. Oh, right. you realize penis we pills. haven't talked about penis sizes at all. We Well, we did talk about penis pills with the blue chew. Exactly. It was insinuated. Oh, okay, well, this product has nothing to do with penises or sizes. Okay, well. Uh, yeah, unless your penis happens to fall into the matrix. We're talking about <laughs> matrix. Blue. Yeah, that's true. Is that what it's for? Your experience? Well, I want to go back to, so is this a pill that's prescribed to people who are experiencing uh, deja vu? Does this cure deja de vu? De deja vu, temporal distortions. Uh, you keep losing your left sock in the dryer. Anything that involves your penis fell into the matrix, your penis <laughs> fell into the matrix. Anything that involves really obvious lapses or breaks in reality, like you got lost in the Bermuda Triangle in 1947 and you came out and it's 1999. You need a blue pill. I like that. This is well. So would this help with like PTSD then? Uh, probably not. No, that would root you in that reality that you're stuck in. You would want to take a red pill, wouldn't you, to get out of it? Well, <laughs> Since PTSD should, could be rebranded as spicy memories, what you actually need is an amnesiac drug. I guess there's that. Spicy memories. Yeah, just like chlorine gas is spicy air. Okay, so who would the... If it's is so it's if 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 it, like people don't podcasts don't get sponsored by pharmaceuticals as far as I'm aware they do get sponsored by sticky alternative holistic medications and mm -hmm. supplements and whatnot. Protein is that, what, is that what Blue Chew is? It's not pharmaceutical. I guess it. How does that work? I mean, I'm pretty sure it's just a rebranding of the little blue pill, but in a chewable formula. I assume it's chewable because of the name. Yeah, and there's actually there's so many versions of them right now, aren't there? Like, I bet you it's just a Cialis that you can chew on. Yeah, Blue Chew has sildenafil in it. That's the active ingredient. That's interesting. It's F is not independently FDA approved. It so it's not FDA approved. Right. <laughs> I don't want to sell that. Well, we're not selling that. We're selling the Matrix version. <laughs> yes, which is even more spurious. Okay, interesting. So it, do you think that there would be a specific target demographic of who would want the, our blue, are we calling it the blue pill? We just call it the blue pill. Yeah, people who happen to be, you know, having a loose tie to this reality. Should we give it a parent company like somebody who makes it? Interesting. Does this parent company have another product so we can say from the producers of this and this or the creators of this and that? Oh, that's with reality manipulation. Oh, great. So basically they sell the cure to the problem they created. That's just capitalism 101. Are you tired of experiencing deja vu? Did you lose your penis in the matrix? <laughs> Have you ever been sucked into the Bermuda Triangle for approximately 70 years? You need the blue pill. Are you a chosen one embroiled in a convoluted plot? Full of pseudo philosophy. And weird math. And weird math. <laughs> weird math is responsible for at least, you know, a full three quarters of all interdimensional hiccups. 
Oh, what's that textbook company that makes math books? It's got two names, Addison. You're asking me if I know who made a textbook? Addison West is from Addison Wesley, from the makers of math. Do we do we want to use real names? Oh, you're right. Only on occasion. Yeah, but not, never company names, especially when we're talking about products. Especially fake ones that solve fake problems. Then we just we just we just say from the makers of math. It doesn't have to be a company name. From from the creators of math. From the studio that, that brought oh, you math. That means that means Plato's probably in the ad because I I blame ancient Greeks for math. Euclid as well. Yes. Now now I want to figure out a company name based on Euclid's name. That's kind of well. A uke uh, is if, a if ukulele, and a lid is something that goes on top of something. If we're gonna blame math on anybody, it should be Euclid. Have you lost interest in this? Have I lost? No, I'm just listening. Squeak. Sorry, there's a cover. Squeaky. Um, no, I'm. So, what are we doing right now? Like, are we are we um, throwing ideas out there to get the ad, like, to figure out what we want to say in the ad? We're I get we're doing a writer's room composition of it, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, we're not even we're not even. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, okay. We're doing a writer's room composition of the ad. So the ad starts off by asking, as we said, have you experienced any of these temporal disruptions or strange reality events? Then you're going to need the blue pill. And I'm trying to think of how those ads typically math. And then the ad would show I'm trying to think of pill ads. Is it a bunch of totally unrelated images being like flashed over? Pretty much. Oh, yeah. It's got to start with like a little montage of people having problems and including one person who uh, definitely had their penis fall into the matrix. So is it all happening like infomercial style? Like, has this ever happened to you? Exactly like that. This, yeah. And and the scene where the guy loses his penis, he's just going to basically zip up his pants and, and like embarrassment in a public toilet with, with like a really bashful shrug to the camera. And then after you, you say like, try the blue pill, and then it's like images of people happy and like living their lives in a really cheesy way. Somebody's playing basketball for no reason. Exactly. There's a man with an accordion in a garage. Mm-hmm. It's just like every single herpes commercial. Everything's like shining and glistening in slow motion. Everybody's in fresh linen. Somebody's smiling while they do the, like mundane tasks like the laundry. My life is back on track. Uh, out of curiosity, since we're doing infomercial stuff, did the guy slap chop his penis into the matrix? <laughs> I think it just kind of like fell off. Yeah, uh, the the matrix just kind of. Let's just say he was browsing some uh, gentleman's special interest literature on his phone and the Matrix just swallowed him up. So I'm assuming when we show like people are being shown experiencing their like Bermuda Triangle or whatever in some way. And his representation visually is he's he's sitting in the library reading his magazine or whatever. And all of a sudden he looks down in his lap and then looks up all sad and shocked. I was going to say that he was in a bathroom stall. Oh, uh, very much in private looking at something on his phone. Oh, he was looking at something on his phone and the matrix came out of his phone and just because it's a digital device and that'll have to do. Oh, that makes sense. So the the penis got sucked into the phone. Yeah, it just it projected its green matrix field and it just snipped it right off, took it with it. 
So we can do some some fun with uh, pixelated censoring then. Yes. And then you can immediately it gets, it, uncensor it once his penis is gone because now he's a Barbie doll man. So <laughs> it, it basically got it got like beamed up into the phone. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> the Matrix now has his penis. Uh, let's let's be honest. He was in this bathroom stall having a wank by himself. It's not like he was using it. He won't miss it. He was using visually. Yes. Well, should we up the stakes then? Should he be somewhere where he was? He was he was he at the doctor giving a a, a sperm sample for, to check for fertility, and now he has to come on and tell his wife that he doesn't have a dick anymore. Oh, that is really upping the stakes. Fertility just became a whole lot more of a problem. Okay, maybe we need to hone it in on just. We could do another. Just ad. this guy. Uh, no, <laughs> I mean like just the like temporal dissonance stuff it, but no that if the if the blue pill is just a, a, a satire of blue chew etc so it's not about erectile dysfunction it's about uh erectile erectile displacement oh, oh <laughs> that's so good especially if it's being displaced into the matrix because then it's still the blue pill <laughs> oh. yeah i like that a lot has this ever happened to you I would I would almost want to look up one of the the scripts for the reads that they do for Blue Chew and kind of ape it a little bit because I'm they, I know that they got to do a little bit of uh, of 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 snippy snippy is that the right word zippy <laughs> spicy even uh, kind of like pandering snippy snappy they got to pander to their audience a little bit. oh can you can we right, please Cairo, but you can do something about it yeah yes. Um, can you please do like a really cheesy, like when he looks down and his penis is gone into the matrix on the phone, one of you goes like, oh, or something. Oh, I would oh. want the whole, the whole audience goes, oh, oh. it's like when something bad happens oh. in the whole house. Oh, yeah. the humanity. There you go. <gasps> the blue, the blue chew guys mostly just like hang around and talk about boners for the entire ad. I wish I, I, so. I was making that up, but that's pretty much all they do. Oh, talking about that masculinity. Yeah, well, the, that's the purpose of the blue chew is to produce erections. So that's all the, that the fellas just get around and tell a little yarn about their, their last erection. Yeah, it like lasted for like four hours last time. Yeah, they, they related specifically to their last blue chew erection. Okay, well now I need to explore what what blue the blue pill actually does then. So if would it be sort of a monkey paw wish then, where it doesn't restore your penis to you, but it turns it turn it's like your penis becomes the one. <laughs> it it gives you an NFT of your penis. Oh, that's fun. I'm trying to non functionally turgid. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> is is there is there a T word for boner? Just turgid. And there, there are other words that I don't want to say, like descriptive words rather than, you know, nouns. Throbbing. Yeah, but yeah, those are, as you said, description words. Yes. Jesus, 180 synonyms for erection. Yeah, well, that's fellas like to tell a story. And none of them are for why can't they're all for structures and stuff. Really? Why? And then when I say boner, it says that's like another word for mistake. 
<laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> I've made a terrible boner. <laughs> An NFT is kind of funny. And the guy, the guy's still sad, but somebody comes, or is he thrilled with his NFT? Somebody comes and pats. Is it actually an NFT? Does it have value, or is it genuinely just like a facsimile? Well, um, like for the sake of the commercial, he should be really jazzed about it. Um, yeah, I think I guess in keeping with the infomercial commercial thing, no matter what effect is shown, the guy would be thrilled. Mm-hmm. Oh, is he thrilled because it's always hard now? But after it, a but while. It, but it doesn't hurt after four hours. Uh, yeah, because it, well, it's not attached, is it? Or is, is it like a fan? Because when you say NFT, I imagine the little stupid hollow deck they give you. Oh, is it a holographic projection of a penis now? <laughs> that would fit in with Matrixy stuff, wouldn't it? I think it would. I'd like the du- the duster coat and whatnot, like their whole style, it comes out wearing sunglasses and it's all strapped to the nines with guns. Oh. Your penis really, went into the Matrix really... and became a hero. Well, it went to the Matrix and came back in a shitty leather trench coat anyway. <laughs> yeah, at least. No, it thinks no, that's unrelated. We need to wrap this ad up. Okay. Is that what it is? It so, turns it into a, 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 a hollow a, a hologram. A holographic projection? Does it is it substantial at all? Can can it be used for anything? I'm trying to figure out like what kind of Can you leave it at home with your wife? I'm th- like that. That's what I was thinking. Like, that is a great benefit. They basically they, they they oh, it 3D prints. They fetch it and they 3D print it. And now it's hard forever, but it's not attached to you. So it's kind of bittersweet. You can use it whenever you want or whenever your wife wants, whether you're home or not. Print off a copy for your friends. All- <laughs> because it was it's self-actualized now. That's what happens when you go to the Matrix. Self-actualized? You mean it can actually decide that it doesn't want to now? I guess there's that. And then and then nobody has control over it. Oh, my God. What's that? That's what we mean when we say self-actualized. It's now its own. It's it's its own entity. Yeah. So should it be an entity or should it be? Uh, I think uh, I think we're we're better off just giving you a, a, a nice synthetic flesh 3D print of your ding dong. That means that we we first have that section where we pull the, does this happen to you? And then we show a little montage of people having this issue. Then we say, you need the blue pill. (laughs) And then we proceed. Yes. The trajectory of it is by the end of the episode. So there's a whole bunch of people going, yeah, it's happened to me kind of thing. We see everybody experiencing their different way that their, their dick got sucked into the matrix and then they get it 3d printed. And the last scene is like a crane shot of a field of men thrusting their 3d printed dicks up into the air and screaming. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) At least a dozen people doing the helicopter. Yeah. All their wives high fiving. Yeah, because they can have the part that matters and not have to deal with their husbands. So, yeah, it it says then you need the blue pill and then you get to see a montage of those same people who had an issue get their problem, you know, scare quotes fixed with their new 3D printed digital penis. And then and then we then we zoom in onto that final frame where it's like blue pill helped me. And then the, the camera can helicopter pan away. And there's a whole field full of these guys with their dicks. Great. That's a lot of censorship. But that's funny by itself, too. It's just the big, massive, pixelated blur over the whole thing. 
you got to do a little pixelated blur for each individual person because they're waving them around in their hands. And then, and yeah, it's a pixel party. And then, yeah, Bluetooth, blue, Bluetooth, blue pill can help you too. Da, 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 and then a little jingle. From the makers of math. And then the, 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 the side effects preamp or uh, postamble. Is that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Side effects may include, and then it's just like a dizzying list. It goes on too long. That's why it has to be played at 150% speed. It includes passages from Anna Karenina. Is there anything else? No, I think that was it. I think I'm satisfied with that. Straight woman, does that sound like an ad? I think that sounds like a pretty masculine ad. It's It's a very masculine ad. Are you glad that you joined us for our masculine ad? You know what, though? Like, I, I suggested... You I, did. It was your idea. I, I brought and, up. The yeah, I, I guess it's true. This is all your fault. I'm sorry. And technically <laughs> what we've done here is we've invented a product that helps women turn their men's junk into a manipulatable sex toy. So it's more of a woman's ad than a men's ad. I feel like I'm in a Chuck Palahniuk novel. Yeah, we basically just created the the alternative to the fleshlight. Straight yep. women also just compared us to Chuck Palahniuk. I'll take that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, <laughs> it's a big compliment. It is. I once had immense envy because I had a girlfriend who is way more into Chuck Palahniuk's writing than mine. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm fucked up, too. We've never <laughs> been compared favorably to anybody. That's the mm-hmm. first one. and I'll take it. It reminds me yeah. of his novel, Beautiful You. I don't know. Is it beautiful? What's the monsters? Isn't it beautiful monsters? No, that one's Invisible Monsters. Beautiful oh, You Invisible is Monsters. about a man who creates sex toys that um, uh, purposefully break while they're inside women so he can mind control them via uh, <laughs> commercials on TV to, bu- wow. to consume. He can mind wow, control. That's, that's not super creepy and and then there's like this scene with like some she has to like go up to this mountain and meet with this like sex witch to like master sex to defeat this guy and i remember a dildo flying through a church window and hitting the dude in the head and killing him okay i was about to be backing off of that the previous compliment after all of that until the dildo hit someone and killed them (laughs) now i'm back on board you're on board, okay. <laughs> it just, yeah. you know. I, I was going to say, also, I don't think this is actually favorable. <laughs> also, the, the sex shaman, that's pretty good, too. You got to learn sex from a, a wizened old wiz- witch. In the mountains, right? Yeah, in a, in a hovel, like and she's going to she's gonna stir you some witch's brew that'll make you good at sex. <laughs> don't, oh. are, aren't you glad you brought me here? <laughs> Yes, no, this is great because this is going to be the next ad for Blue Pill is because all they all get serialized, right? So, like, you know how the Kokanee had their campaign where they were hunting the uh, the the Sasquatch in the mountains and they had their Sasquatch observing Booth or whatever with those nuts, the pretty girls and the crazy ranger fellow. Well, now we're going to go up that we have a, a, a sex shaman in the mountains who we're going to go acquire new recipes for Blue Pills from in the next one. Beautiful. Oh, wonderful. The, she needs to have some kind of shoulder-mounted dildo cannon. I'm not going to let that no. go anyway. I need it. <laughs> it's just dildo-themed everything. Is she <laughs> Sue, what's her name? Sue, Tom, Sue Thompson? Is dicks. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, what? did you see Brave, the Pixar movie or Disney, whatever yeah. it is? Yeah. 
and the witch in the woods, everything is bears. Yeah. Yep. I I get it. <laughs> oh. Every the trees, the the shrubs, the mountains, the animals. There's like a dick snake. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, and everything is pixelated. <laughs> I guess it would have to be right. That, oh, yeah, we walk in and we're just blinded. Everything in the forest being pixelated is funnier than everything looking explicitly like dicks anyway. Well, mm. then then you can do that trope where like, hey, I think we're getting close. How do you know? Everything's <laughs> pixelated. Just look. <laughs> <laughs> look at the cock on that one. It's a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> on on a tree that looks like a dick. <laughs> oh, my gosh. A cock. All right. All right, I, I think that's I think, great. I think the ad has run its course. It has. Thank you so much for joining us, Straight Woman. You can go back to the studio now. Okay. Back to reality. Back to reality. Okay, Oops, there goes you. gravity. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank, thank you so much for coming by. Bye. 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 That was great. That worked great. Yeah, I like that. Oh, did you know... Russia's really big on Tucker Carlson right now. Are they? Oh, well, I can I can imagine. Yeah, apparently classified documents have leaked. So, uh, you know, the veracity is still kind of dubious. But apparently, uh, if they're going to push any American media, it's going to be Tucker Carlson, because apparently he's latching on to the idea that there are, are biological weapons labs in Ukraine, which is doing the Russian propaganda for them. Well, so, yeah, I mean, so he's an American source. Yeah, he's an American source of Russian propaganda now. He's just become a useful idiot for the Kremlin. So they're playing Tucker Carlson in Russia. That's the only American news that's allowed through. I mean, it's not particularly surprising because all he's been doing for the past, I don't know, six years is demonstrating how good he is at American propaganda. Russia said there's a pro when we see one. Yeah, no kidding. Especially because uh, I heard a commentator say, like, how, how are we ever going to win the information war in Russia when you're allowed to watch whatever you want in North America and 40% of the United States still thinks the election was stolen? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, just because you can get the information out there doesn't mean anything. Well, what, what's the name of that Internet Research Institute or whatever that was found to have been infiltrating? There was something like... 90% of Christian groups and 80% of whatever groups were already, and Facebook specifically, were already run by Russian propaganda outlets. Oh, I did. I'm not sure what it was, but I'm, I'm not surprised. I mean, especially once the once the, the war started proper, I did notice that a lot of propaganda bots started uh, focusing their efforts in places other than YouTube comments. Yeah. I did see, though, one little I know it's like one little positive piece of news that I'm curious to know what comes of it. Uh, there was a BBC story about a woman who worked for what is it, RT Russia Today. Uh, she was an editor for Russia Today. And while the uh, the currently Kremlin controlled news reports were going out, she ran out behind the anchor and held up a sign that said, like, I'm I regret so much that I've been like taking part in turning Russia into zombies. Awesome. It's she's, awesome, but she's, I under she's dead. Yeah. She's <laughs> under arrest. Actually, uh, I think I heard that a lot of people who've been arrested have been released. Although, you know, whether they've been released in what in great condition is a different question. 
Yeah, very questionable. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if you get sent to prison, then in a few KGB agents hold guns to your family and they're like, yeah, you're going to shut up now, aren't you? If you don't nod your head. Well, those are the guys who don't get released. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, we've got that sequence of uh, Anderson Cooper, an actually good journalist, and then Tucker Carlson, a bona fide imbecile. And you get to split screen them in comparison. And then you show the the like a like a third section kind of bumps those two up so from the bottom to show all of these armaments getting activated. And then and then you get to see a missile get fired into one of the outside portals and we follow the missile into the portal. But rather than going to the outside with it, we're actually going to use that as just a transitional black screen to go visit Abaddon. Perfect. They're still on the space station. Yeah, they're they're unlikely to leave. Earth is not exactly in a good state. Oh, oh, are they? in Oh, I I've changed my mind. Okay. we do follow the missile into the outside portal. But the thing is, is that the the missile spends exactly 10 seconds in the outside before it falls through another portal back to reality to go and hit somebody's space elevator or what's left of it, which will take us to Abaddon. So, yeah, it gets smacked with a missile strike and then we get to go back. We get to, you know, scale up where the tower, the elevator used to be. Now there's just like the ghost of an elevator, transparent elevator. (laughs) It's kind of wailing uh, forlornly. Yeah. Oh, there's the ghost of an elevator. It's haunted now. And then we go all the way up to the space station. And I think this is an opportunity for, yes, Bazelbub to be hosting a very similar kind of meeting. I don't know if it'll be in a sauna. If it is, Annabelle is in a towel with the Merkin on top of it. Of course. Always on top. Well, yeah, it, it would be it would be lewd if it was underneath. Since it's on top, it's more like a badge. So is it not a sauna, but they are in towels? Can you give me a good reason why that would be? I can't. I'm just I'm just trying to imagine what other how to make it a a mirror, uh, but not make it exactly the same. Well, they don't have a bear. I guess there's that. Maybe they should actually be sitting around a table because somehow they're better at governance than world governments. Is it the same table that was used in the sauna, though? And then somebody makes like a question like, is this new? He says, yeah, I liked it. Oh, oh, yeah. The exact same card table. What's this doing in here? It's always been here. Or should it be one of one of Putin's massive tables where he sits on one end and then makes the one person he's talking to sit 20 seats down? They must have microphones and speakers. They must have microphones and speakers. I can't imagine they think it's okay to shout at each other across the table. No, they're not allowed to shout. That would be <laughs> imagine imagine shouting at Putin. Putin's like, "What? I can't hear you." You shout at him. Did you just shout at me? Black well, bagged. Did, did you watch that video of his like uh, informant guy or one of the like I don't know corporals or generals or whatever? And he was trying to ask him his opinion on whether he uh, supported whether the troops would support. Uh, lining up at the border or what if there would be an invasion i didn't oh it's kind of fun because the guy is trying to be as like he's he's trying as much as hard as possible to go like i uh, i agree with whatever <laughs> i agree with whatever you want and putin's trying to ask him like well what is your opinion and the guy's like my opinion is the opinion you want me to have sir <laughs> that seems very very natural and russian yeah 
No, I suppose here at Abaddon, they've got the, the round card table. It's the exact same one. It gets stuck. On, oh, and actually, it, are they sitting? Go on. I was going to say, are they actually playing cards? Is it, are they playing cards at a card table and there's a bunch of there's a bunch of dogs in, in suit coats or whatever? And they're like, can you get these guys out of here? Oh, I like that. Yeah. The we we go up to the space station. We go through a, a short hallway. We get a like a automatic opening door and we come upon a scene of a bunch of dogs playing poker. And then shortly after the door opens, actual people come in and are like, what the hell's going on in here? Get these dogs out of here. And then and then it's time for the people to sit down and play poker. Who let these dogs on a space station? I was trying to I was trying to figure out how to do a rhyme with who let these dogs out, but it wasn't coming to my brain. Oh, well, later somebody can get like mobbed by a bunch of dogs and just be like, who let the dogs out? And then I guess everybody on the entire space station has to cringe. <laughs> that works good too, yeah. In, including us. Everybody on the planet cringes in unison at one point. What were you saying? Who was who was Statler and Waldorf going to be? They are the Kremlin gremlins. Oh, they, right. Okay. They are sitting on each of Putin's shoulders. They okay, are why well, he, they are why he has such a terrible inferiority complex. He's got a he's always being such a dickhead because he's got to he's got to prove them wrong. They're always they're always badgering him. If if we have introduced them as as the angel and the devil, well, the devil and the devil on his shoulder, they are in the episode now. So after the guy says who led the dogs out, it could cut to them watching the Tucker and Todd show, and they could start making Statler and Waldorf comments about how awful oh. it was. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So I I guess they they ride in with Putin. They're on his shoulders. They're each in their own little towel. <laughs> <laughs> gotta keep the strings hidden and and that's our opportunity to make the worst joke of the entire episode yeah so then we we go back into the the room where abaddon and all of the uh top staff are gonna sit down and have a discussion maybe over cards because like annabelle likes playing cards i assume uh basil bubble ask her if she managed to get her sister's airship flying again do you think he'd care? I think he'd care. Or I think he'd pretend to care. Um, He would pretend to care. He would ask her, and then as she was explaining, he would be looking right. up. Right! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just, she start. she says, oh, yeah, I uh, I had to get that, blah, 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 great! Just talks right over, yeah. Yeah, just moving on. He got his answer. That was all he was looking for. Did we have a next plan for... For Basilbub himself, Basilbub is currently uh, trying to figure out a way to stop this from happening, but he's making no progress. He's going to send. He's going to direct Elrond to reach out to Jeff Bridges and Fantasology. It's time for them to come together again. This time for good. Okay, that's perfect. Yeah, because he he, he yeah because he resurrected Elrond to be his like power module. <laughs> He needs Elrond to actually recover his powers and get back in contact with his network. Phantasology is exactly the type of place to deal with shutting down a crazy, chaotic outside event. They And also Elrond has the most experience with the outside out of all of them. Exactly. So it's time to bring Phantasology back into the fold, this time permanently. And so Elrond dispatches his own goblin. Is his own goblin another house elf? 
Oh, yeah. I think it should be. So is his actually Dobby then? Or is it also Creature? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it should be the exact same Goblin for no reason. We'll just call him Goblin. Well, because those things can poof in and out ever around anywhere they want to go. Yes, and it makes a lot of sense that Elrond might have some kind of connection to BS Prowling. Yeah, that's good. They are both authors of fantasy. And weird. <laughs> it's true. They both run a cult. Oh, yeah. One of them a little bit more effectively than the other, though. Like, one of their cults is really ob- obviously... Not bother yeah, acquiring words to describe it. They'll kind of just make room. Because this is... Let's be honest, this isn't their first uncomfortable position. No, there's enough room for her up there with uh, Michael Jackson and uh, Bill Cosby and all that. Bill Cosby is actually fairly easy for me to throw under the bus. Because I don't think I ever liked anything he made anyway. Actually, that's a fair point. I I watched the sitcoms when I was a child, um, but mostly because I thought my mom liked them. They they were on. Yeah, they were on. They were on the channels in succession. And he had a silly voice. Okay, so they're sharing this goblin. I guess we can leave it vague as to whether they know that the other happens to be using the same goblin. Yeah, probably not. But I don't. Yeah, we'll leave it vague. How much of that do we show? So we're in this little uh, poker scenario where where Basil Bob says you got to take care of this. And so does he then like slink off to his quarters to summon creature? Yeah, he, uh, he's like, all right, fine. My cards aren't very good anyways. So he folds, cashes out, and then he returns to his lair, which unlike the rest of the space station, does not look very uh, sci-fi at all. So his quarters are fully custom to be like a stupid hobbit hole. That's good, yeah. With like low ceilings and everything. And they're too low for him, so he has to duck, but it's authentic. And he calls in his goblin. Is he still kind of like spacey and, and warped? He's weird. Like somebody who's done too much acid in their lifetime. Yeah. And now he's just kind of always that way a little bit. So he summons Creature and says, basically, I need you to be my mouthpiece. I need you to go down to Fantasology. I have a task for you, Minion. <laughs> when I I can only think of Megamind when I hear that now. <laughs> I know that Bazelbub wants that to be his position. So he sends his goblin on a mission to go and visit Jeff Bridges over in Fantasology at their HQ which is not too far, and since these guys can just kind of poof around, he just poofs himself over there. In fact, he he poofs himself right into Jeff Bridges' office. What could Jeff Bridges be doing that would be embarrassing to catch him doing? He's drinking a white Russian, and he gets it all over his mustache and beard. (laughs) He spills it all over. Oh, does he spill it on the rug and complain about how it really tied the rug? (laughs) (laughs) Both, yeah. He gets it on his face, and then he drops it. On the rug, he's like, oh, man. Fuck, another that, one. That rug really tied the room together again. Again, yeah. Uh, what? So what exactly, do you know the instructions? He sa- he sent him down there to talk to Jeff. Was the, was the intention to basically just, like, plant the seed of we're around and I need to see you? Or is he trying to get Jeff to come up to the space station? He's, it's both. He's come with an offer to... Uh, incorporate Fantasology into the greater Abaddon brand, as well as being summoned to the space station 
to discuss that incorporation. They don't use villains don't use phones or emails. They send servants with messages. Heralds. Exactly. Carrier pigeons. Carrier goblins. Yeah. So he's like, I come on behalf of Elrond Hubbard and Jeff Bridges goes so wide eyed that you can see his uh, Slara around his sunglasses. Oh, I like that. Yeah, he goes so wide eyed that you can see his eyeballs from around the the rim of his sunglasses because he's in his dude sunglasses. He's in his dude sunglasses, but he's in his uh, his true grit long jammies, long underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, in fact, maybe he has an eye patch on underneath his uh, sunglasses. Because kind of uh, when you said the eyes get wide, I was like, okay, he's got an eye patch under the sunglasses and the eyes get so wide you can see it past the eye patch and the sunglasses. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Some, yeah, okay. So sometimes he just likes to cosplay as Jeff Bridges' characters from movies, and that's part of the reason why it was embarrassing to be caught that way. If I was Jeff Bridges, I would be cosplaying as my characters. Those are some good characters. I mean, me too. I would be the dude all the time. And people, hey, anybody ever tell you you look like? Anybody tells you that you're just being lazy and refusing to do, like get out of bed or do anything in that day, you just tell them you're method acting. As what? As the dude. Okay, so he, he is astonished at the news. Is he he would he would he would be. Yes, he's he's astonished because he didn't know Elrond was alive. Yeah, he thought he was destroyed. So having his herald show up and and bring him an offer from Elrond as well as a summons to go and talk to him directly. It's quite a shock. He probably doesn't believe it. And so would creature sit there and have a whole goddamn conversation with him or would he just deliver the news and then snap out of there? He would probably deliver the news. And then uh, Jeff Bridges' mouth goes agape and his, his, uh, did he smoke cigarettes or a pipe in True Grit? I can't remember. I think he rolled cigarettes. That is what I'm seeing in my mind. Yeah, well, whatever it is, it falls out of his open mouth. He's agape, falls out of his mouth. Uh, He poofs out of there before it hits the ground and leaving Jeff Bridges there with the message. Yeah, he rolled his his, cigarettes. In his long underwear. With a with a white Russian, he's <laughs> <laughs> just got everything going on. <laughs> he's playing too many characters at once. It's unmanageable. He's got the uh, I can't remember what his name was, Bogey or whatever. He's got the the Iron Man mock up suit in the corner. Oh yeah, the Ironmonger suit. That's yeah. what he's going to use to fly to the station. Oh, fantastic! I was trying to figure out what it would be. That's great. Oh, absolutely. He's going to be Jebediah Stern for the flight. <laughs> it's that suit is enormous, too. So he's going to have trouble fitting into the onto the flight deck. He also has a very hard time reading the heads up display with an eye patch and sunglasses on. Oh, yeah. Especially because there's a high, there's a heads up display behind the eye patch and then on the sunglasses as well as on his visor. Like he's just over designed this thing. Oh, fuck. I have not thought this out. So he's going to he's going to have to take some of that stuff off. Uh, OK, is he going up there in this episode? He's going up to the station now or do we head back to the outside now? Uh, he, he's probably we're going to see the 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 roof of the Fantasology facility open up and he's going to come out of a hangar in his Ironmonger suit. Okay, the the big fat suit with its big fat flaming engines. 
it looks so sluggish and chunky when it flies. It's cumbersome. Oh, I can't find any gifts of it flying. I remember it, though. I just didn't know the name of it. Yeah, the Ironmonger suit. It's just, yeah, very cumbersome. So he clumsily flies it out of... It's basically a helicopter pad that opens in half. It's a big sliding double door, and that when it's closed, it's a helicopter pad. So instead of taking a helicopter... Oh, there's a helicopter on it, and the the doors open up and flip the helicopter right off the building. He could have taken the helicopter, but instead he decided to do this. Just just a big, wasteful display. Okay, do you think we're going to be able... Because we had briefly mentioned in the notes that there would be some sort of tie-in that... Who would have a seat at the table? How did this go? Mouthpiece, I said... Interesting idea that he'd engage. Oh, this is the mouthpiece of. Oh, so creature goes not just to bridges to say he wants him, but do, do we have? Oh yeah, creature was hanging out with Rowling. Oh my God, is is he also hanging out with the world leaders? We suggested that. As far as I know, we have no connection with the world leaders yet, but we might find out that Statler and Waldorf are both just goblins that happen to be. Statler and Waldorf looking. There might be a little council of goblins. I guess we don't really have a reason to tie them in yet, but maybe we could. They've declared war and eventually perhaps that will that will become of more interest to Basil Bob. Yes, especially with missiles flying out of portals at his doorstep. Yeah, but we're going to leave Jeff Bridges flying off into the distance towards the, the great big Abaddon station that can be dimly seen orbiting above earth and that'll be where we if the camera follows him then an outside portal opens up and swallows up the audience perspective because because why not do that again transition yeah we we were trying to follow him and then we get sucked up into the outside and then we get to uh probably meet up with the crew at the extraction point where they reunite with what they think is us yeah that would be it they're like they're having a conversation are they like ch- chattering excitedly about like we we catch up with them as they're being led up the hill to our extraction point? Yeah, or sure. Either... Sure. Uh, what do you what kind of excited chatterings do you think they would have to say about us? It's hard to imagine because we've got Gigi, Craig, Plato and straight woman. Don't forget. I don't know. Stan. What, and Stan. Yeah, I was trying to imagine. Would any of them actually be excited? excited to see us i mean they've been trying to find us but and now we've rescued them they're happy to be rescued and they're happy they're going to see us but they were kind of hoping that they would be rescuing us and that's what stan says by the way straight woman is definitely carrying him actually yeah that's a good that's a good line to like uh link us up on is stan saying you know after all this time i was kind of hoping we'd be the one to rescue them that's what we came here for isn't it they're still their ankles are still being clubbed by the gnome police. Yeah, they're managing to stay just out of just out of reach. You just have to move a little bit faster than they do. Although if one of them slows down a little bit, they will catch they will catch the baton right on the like the calf or the shin. Whack. Do any of them have misgivings about how we managed to rope the gnome police into like working with us or for us? They probably all do because they've seen how weird and useless these guys are. But they're probably not questioning it until they get to us. After all, any port in a storm. I'm trying to figure out how this episode is going to end. Oh, 
I got disconnected there. I'm trying to figure out what we're moving towards with the specific thing so that, oh, fuck. What have you done? I broke a little piece off of my uh, mic mount. Why did you do that? Because I was picking at it. Did you did you damage its structural integrity so that it won't stand or hold a mic now? No, it's fine. It's working. Uh, it, just, it just surprised me. Then I guess you've just removed a piece of redundant engineering. I guess so. I've made it lighter and more efficient. You've reduced waste. Uh, what I was saying was, because um, I guess this is sort of this is going to be the last scene, final scene, unless we have a little teasy moment. A la I week. I don't have any teasy moments in my mind. This will probably be the final scene. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out. Will are we going to set any? I don't know if we're setting anything up. I guess we're setting up the mystery of like who these people are, the doubles. Well, for now, for all intents and purposes, uh, only the audience knows that it's not the real us. We're still probably palling around with House. But, oh, I guess maybe that's a good place to have a cheesy ender. It's just like us hanging out with House. But for now, uh, they're going to reunite with the doubles, and then the doubles are going to want to take them back to the Gnome Cop headquarters. To debrief. Probably they're going to they're going to especially because they know that they're supposed to know these people, but they don't know why or who they really are. So when they reunite, the doubles are like, hello, you. They don't actually know their names. So they <laughs> so part of the deal is they have to bring them. Hey, back to the station. you guys. Yeah, exactly. So part of the deal is they have to take them back to the station and kind of interrogate them in such a way that it doesn't seem too suspicious they're just kind of you know asking leading questions about where they've been how they got here what they've been up to while they've been here and in the process you know ask leading questions that get them to reveal more about themselves so that they know who they're dealing with oh is it so are we going to see that occur now like hey we got to get back to the thing or do we do we turn it on its head a little bit and as we get the as the crew approaches the doubles the doubles make some statement about how like i we're really sorry about this you guys but being as we're in the outside and all the crazy shit we've been seeing on we got to take you back and interrogate you to make sure you're the actual crew oh i like that we need to debrief you to make sure it's the real you we've seen some weird shit out here. You would not be the first duplicates we've met. And then that puts them kind of back on their heels and prevents them. They're asking new questions rather than uh, desiring to look into who we are or the doubles are, I should say. Yeah. So it, it, it also gives the doubles a perfect excuse to ask them personal questions. Yeah. To get to know them. Just to make sure it's the real them. Every question they ask Stan is like, none of your business. Yep, that checks out. That's the real Stan. So do we do we do we end cliffhanger on we need to take you back to the 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 station or do we play out those scenes? No, that's probably a good place to end. It should be like we need to take you back to the station and debrief you so we can make sure that you are the real you. We've seen some crazy shit out here. You wouldn't be the first duplicates we've met. And that'll are the and the crew will probably buy that because, you know, they almost drowned in dirt. So do they do they buy it immediately or do they say is there first like an an alarmed like what? And then the doubles give a, a little explanation of like we've seen some crazy shit. And they're like, man, that's true. So will we 
well, yeah, they'll probably be brief, briefly alarmed, but uh, it only takes a really brief look around where they happen to be just at the environment before they probably agree. Yeah, that checks out. This place is crazy. Like there's probably a really badly mosaic censored tree nearby that's like flapping and, and right. undulating. They're like, yeah, okay. The, this place is crazy. And then they can be traveling on their way towards the station or that they just enter the station and they say, why don't you guys go and get cleaned up? We have hot running water sometimes, kind of. Go have a shower while the water works. And then that's a good opportunity to go visit the real Tucker and Todd. Briefly. Well, I was going to say, since it would be instead of that, we don't even make it. They don't even make it that far. But as they they're like, yeah, fair enough. Let's go. And they start walking. They pass. They're right next to the the social construct factory and they're like oh. i wonder what that place is that looks cool i like that yeah so they're walking by the social construct factory stan prop stan's probably the one who comments on it that it looks cool and then our duplicates immediately say we don't have time for that and they they need to you know haul ass and keep moving but the audience perspective will stay on the factory as the crew and the duplicates walk out of frame and then the camera's yeah. going to zoom in on the factory and head right on back in there. And there's the real Tucker and Todd hanging out with Greg. Yeah, that looks cool. It's Are not, they, I promise you. Oh, yeah, it's not. I've seen it. It's it's nothing. It's just a social construct. <laughs> And then inside the the real Tucker and Todd are like cheersing with Craig, Craig, Craig with Greg. Yeah, probably. Uh, would they be at one of the exhibits? Oh, a they're at a different Greg's favorite. They're at the the, the, deviants. the deviants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So all three of them are naked and like pixelated, and they're all very greasy looking. Like they've all been oiled. They all have sauna chains. Awesome, but no towels. No. But they are pixelated. And they're just like uproariously oh, laughing. I have a better idea. They are wearing towels, but like they're they're wearing pixels. So oh, one good. of them takes off the top. One of them takes off the pixels and it reveals that it was a towel all along. Oh, they're wearing pixels. OK, they're wearing censorship towels around their towels. Guess what? Those are also social constructs. <laughs> Modesty. I, if you ask. Oh, modesty. I was going to say, if you ask Douglas Adams, I bet you you would tell you that a towel is a social construct. I bet you he would tell me that a towel is good for uh, an uncountable number of things but in this case they're good for applying a social construct called modesty yeah and and that's that's where they got these pixelated towels from is the modesty display so they're they're also having a schwitz oh that's why the modesty display is right before the deviance display yeah probably a good idea okay well i think that's the end of our episode unless you have any more tags for that no i think that's a pretty good spot uh maybe the credits should roll over them just kind of sitting together are they playing cards or are they eating some stroke waffle? Oh, definitely eating the stroke waffle. <laughs> Two what do you call this stuff again? <laughs> uh, maybe it should be beeped, uh, bleeped when he says it. By the way, our next fake ad that we come up with is going to be for stroke waffle. I can't wait. Oh, I don't know. I didn't think of that. Uh, oh, man. Just just imagine a, a cookie that's like a waffle cone. 
Straight woman is going to be so pleased that immediately after our dick falling off commercial, we're going into the stroke waffle commercial. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure she'd like to join us for that anyway. Of course. She stroke says she had waffle. a lot of fun. <laughs> stroke waffle. <laughs> okay, so everybody's just like passing around one box of the stroke waffle cookies and just sitting around in their pixelated towels while the credits roll. Yeah, that's great. Okay, and that's that. That is that. That is another episode of the Tucker and Toddcast, everyone. Complete with uh, an entire segment totally devoted to the blue pills. That was a 40-minute segment. Considering we we started 40 minutes in, we just made so much content. We just blasted through so much narrative. Yeah, I hope we didn't rush any of it. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Anything that we didn't... Uh, do in depth enough we can just expand later i think i think we're pretty good at dwelling just as long as we need to yes and i i think i think i think that's fairly well concluded for today for today lots so, lots of work got done yeah uh back pat to you yeah i i love back pats anyhow that's enough for this week thanks for joining us everyone thanks to craig and Gigi, and extra special thanks to straight woman for joining us Definitely. Thank you, Strayman, for joining us. You were Tucker. You were Todd. And this was our podcast. Have a good night, everyone. Good night, Craig. Why am I even here anymore?